I am your anchor, an ever-present help. In calm waters or through the storm, I am with you. When you feel weak, I am your strength, your provision in times of need. I am with you. In the highs and the lows, in every rhythm of life, I am with you. Your guide, your wisdom, your counsel, a light for the path and a lamp to your feet. I am with you to the very end of the age. You are never alone. Thank you so much. Welcome to part six of this great series, Never Alone. Why don't you join with me? Let's welcome those from our other Kingsgate centres and also all of you watching online. God bless you. So glad you could join us today. I want to start by telling you a couple of my car fuel bloopers. The first was uh, a number of years ago, I borrowed Karen's diesel car and I'm there um, slightly absent-minded, filling it up with unleaded petrol, turn the ignition on, and of course, we have a problem. Let's just say it wasn't the happiest day in my life. I got home, there was lots of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, the second was I, uh, many, many decades ago, I hasten to add, I'm driving around the Peterborough Parkway, come down on the slip road, and suddenly, oh, it stops. In other words, I'd run out of fuel. Some of you look at me, what is wrong with this guy? Well, I want to say that I've only done that, as in put wrong fuel in or run out of petrol, um, once each. That's it. You impressed? Um, but, but I can say, my confession is, I do have a tendency to let it go right down into the red zone more than I would like to admit. And, uh, admit. and apparently, it's not too good for the engine. Why am I telling you all this? Because if the... Uh, in the whole world of driving, we need to put the right fuel in, regularly refill it, and not let it go down empty. Um, there's a spiritual principle that in our lives, we are not to fill our lives with the wrong stuff. There's only one, if you like, substance. It's not a liquid. It's a real person that we are to fill our lives with. It's the Holy Spirit. And we are not to live in such a way that our lives get spiritually empty Rather, we are to be continually refilled with the Spirit. And so what I want to do is I want to look at this whole thing of being refilled continually with the Spirit. For those of you around a couple of weeks ago, I looked at uh, receiving the Holy Spirit and said there are really three kind of dimensions. The first is um, we need to be born again. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes into us. We become children of God. And he comes into our lives. And from that moment on, for the rest of eternity, we are never alone. Thank God for the new birth. But secondly, we're not to stop at being born again. We're to go on and receive another dimension of the Spirit, which is we're to be baptized in the Spirit. That is, we're to be filled or empowered for a life of ministry and effective witness. So be born again, be baptized in the Spirit. If you're here today and you're not sure whether you've been born again or you know you haven't been, 
or you've not yet received the baptism in the Spirit and, and spiritual gifts are flowing in your life, then uh, I want to say you're especially welcome. And at the end of all our services, we want to give you opportunity to receive. But the focus of this message today is on the third dimension that I highlighted a couple of weeks ago. And it's this need not to rely on a past experience of being born again or baptized in the Spirit, but thirdly, to go on being continually filled with the Spirit. That's what we're going to look at. Be continually filled with the Spirit. And I want to look at two things today. Firstly, at the necessity of being continually filled, and then at the wonder of being continually filled. And let me ask you a question right now. How's, how's your spiritual fuel gauge doing? Where are you at if you were to locate yourself? Are you kind of, oh, I'm in the red zone? <laughs> or, you know, I'm half empty. Well, when it comes to the Spirit, we actually need to be continually filled to overflow. So first then, let's look at the necessity of being continually filled with the Spirit. You see, to be filled with the Spirit is not a luxury. It's an absolute necessity if we're to live the Christian life the way God intended it. In Ephesians 5 verse 18, listen to this fantastic verse. It says, do not get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, can we say this together? Be filled with the Spirit. Now notice there, it's a command, not a suggestion. If it's a command, it implies we can do something about it. If we've received the Spirit, we're born again, we're baptized in the Spirit, the implication is we can do something about being filled with the Spirit. That's the first thing. It's a command. Second thing, the tense in the original Greek doesn't come out in our English translations. We just have the phrase, be filled with the Spirit. But literally, it, it's in the present continuous. In other words, it should read something like, go on being filled, or as we've got it here, um, be continually filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one-off experience. It's an ongoing lifestyle Dynamic. The third thing to notice is there's a contrast between getting drunk or filled with wine, or we would say too much alcohol, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, who's not a liquid, uh, but he's a real person. So why the contrast there? Well, one of the reasons is when somebody um, gets drunk, and some of you may never have done, you're not missing out. In my pre-Christian past, I got uh, drunk a number of times. And um, it's, you think it's going to lift you, but actually alcohol uh, is, is a depressant. And it, you end up doing silly things, saying silly things, and even sometimes not walking straight. We sometimes use the phrase, if you see someone drunk, you say, are oh, they under the influence? Yeah. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, so the few of you who do know, let's. Uh, so he's saying, do not, don't be drunk. Don't come under the influence of alcohol that then can, will control what you do and mess up your life. Instead, come under the influence of one who is totally holy, totally loving, who is filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Let his presence... The presence of the one who already lives inside you as a Christian, fill every part of your life. In other words, let his life and character influence the way you live. How many think that's going to be a great experience? If the presence of this 
all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-holy God influences our lives. And so Paul says here, it's an absolute imperative, it's a necessity, it's not a luxury that we allow the one who lives on, in the, on the inside of us to flood every part of our lives so that we live a transformed life. How many want to be more blessed in Christ? How many want to become more like Jesus? How many want to honor God more? How do we be more blessed to be a blessing? Well, then we cannot do this. We were never supposed to do the Christian life. It's not like we get saved, forgiven, now just try harder. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is you get changed, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you can please God and live in a different way by the power and the person of the Spirit in the way you couldn't possibly do on your own. We're never alone, but we're not just never alone positionally, as in he's in us, we can live in a life that's never alone experientially. In other words, I can know that God is helping me speak better and act better and love better and serve better. It's real. This is real. It's a real experience of being continually filled with the Spirit. And if you look at where this verse appears, Ephesians 5 verse 19 um, some of you remember uh, about 18 months ago, we did a study on Ephesians 4 to 6. And if you look at chapter 5, verse 18, it's like almost in the middle of this three chapters, which is one of the most brilliant parts in the whole Bible when you can look at this is what the Christian life should look like. So the early part of chapter 4, he says, we're to live in unity. Then he goes on, talks about um, effective ministry. Then he talks about living in purity, talks about living in wisdom, living in light. And then uh, the other side of this verse, he talks about worship and family life and the work and spiritual warfare. And I believe it's as if the, the, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is including this verse 18 of chapter 5, right in the middle of saying, look back at everything we're called to do. How many want to live in greater, greater unity? How many want to be more effective in ministry? You want to live in greater purity and love and light and wisdom? Well, then Paul would say, in order for all those things to happen, what do we need to do? We need to be filled with the Spirit. And then looking ahead, how many want better marriages and families and more harmony at work and greater victory over the devil? What's the answer? Be filled with the Spirit. In other words, to be filled with the Spirit is not just for a sort of an odd few, for an enthusiastic minority. To be filled with the Spirit is an imperative for every single born-again Christian and for every single church across the face of the world. And if we all lived this way, we would be in revival. We would be seeing global revival because we would all be living filled to overflowing and it would bless our lives and many more people too. So will you join with me on this journey? Let's even as we're listening be almost praying, Lord, fill me again and help me develop a lifestyle of continual filling. Talking of um, the whole thing of filling, you'd have thought I'd have learned my lesson with the car. Well, yesterday, I, because I'm Mr super DIY practical gardener handyman. I'm out there digging out the weeds. I hope you're impressed. And then I go uh, to mow the lawn and I pull the thing. I know how to do it. <laughs> it starts and then it was going chug chug and I thought, oh dear, petrol's run out. You see, I could have checked beforehand, but you know, within seconds I realized that the thing's going to cut out. So, Mr. Practical I am, I go to my jerry can and find it's also empty. <laughs> and so I have to pause what I'm doing, 
go to the local petrol station, fill it up with the right fuel, I got it right, bring it back, pour it in, and guess what? The lawnmower worked, and I've got a beautifully mown lawn. Now, what I could have, I could have sort of commanded the lawnmower to work. I could have kicked it. I could have done all kinds of things, but the only way that lawnmower was going to work was what? Needed filled. And there was no reason why I had to let it go down. I had to make a choice to refill it and keep refilling. Can I say, we have a choice to be continually filled with the Spirit. Amen? So that's the necessity of being filled with the Spirit. Number two then, I want to major then, on the rest of the time, on the wonder. Say wonder. On the wonder of being continually filled with the Spirit. The necessity and the wonder of being continually filled with the Spirit. Let's pause for a moment and think about the incredible privilege that we have of having the presence of God himself living in us and filling us every day for all eternity. Isn't it amazing? Why don't you just thank God for his glorious grace in giving us his very presence. And because the Spirit is with us, He's here to help us in all areas of our lives. And in particular, if you look at the rest of Ephesians, after chapter 5, verse 18, there are three references to the Spirit. All of them, interestingly, refer to our speech. So in chapter 5, verse 19, it talks about songs from the Spirit. In chapter 6, verse 17, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then in chapter 6, verse 18, it talks about um, a call to pray in the Spirit. What's the point? Well, I believe that every part of our lives is to come under the influence of the Spirit. You agree? Actions, lifestyle, holiness, all that kind of stuff. Everything influenced by the Spirit when we're filled with the Spirit. But it's as if the Holy Spirit is saying, but there's something particularly that I want to change, and that's your speech. You see, if you look at somebody and and you try and say, I wonder what that person's like, and you look at their face, you look at their facial expressions, how many know that sometimes you can get it wrong? (coughs) You can think something about them just by looking at them, but you only really know what they're like when they do what? Open their mouth. Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. And it's as if the, the Holy Spirit who authors Ephesians and inspires the Apostle Paul is saying, when you are filled with the Spirit, something happens that affects your speaking, your worship, your confession of the Word, and your prayer. And here's the wonder of it. As by the Spirit, we're filled to overflow and it changes our speech and we worship, we confess the word and pray, that draws us closer to God and in worshipping and confessing the word and praying, we get refilled in order to live the life God has for us. So I want to look briefly at each of these in turn. Firstly, I'm going to look at the wonder of Spirit-filled worship. Can we say that? The wonder of Spirit-filled worship. So you notice chapter 5, verse 18, we have be filled with the Spirit. And notice the exact um, next verse is this. What's happening? Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks 
to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So speaking, singing, and giving thanks are all activities of what? Our words. So he's saying you get filled to overflow, and out of the overflow, something different's going to come out of you than before you became a Christian, singing, speaking, giving thanks to God. In the message translation, it says this, don't drink too much wine, that cheapens your life, drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him, sing hymns, not drinking songs. I remember um, many decades ago, um, before I was a Christian, and in, and in the, those dark ages when Man City were not the best team in the country, I remember going with some mates up to watch the match, and let's just say we had some help to lubricate us to sing songs. Many cans of beer later, we felt emboldened to sing, um, well, they were kind of football worship songs. And then because we'd lose a lot, we'd have to take more to encourage us on the way back. None of that's a good idea. But something happened. When I became a Christian, God came and he changed me and he cleansed me from the inside out. He filled my heart with his life, with his love, and with his spirit. And I started singing new songs of praise and worship and adoration to the amazing God who saved me. And over 35 years on, I'm still singing those songs by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, what we need to realize is the Holy Spirit is he here to help us worship. Don't, you, don't get all caught up on whether you can sing in tune or not. God could even fix that. I mean, he's a God of miracles. But the point is, he, he helped. when we talk about we worship by the Spirit, this means that when we come to sing, either on our own or in our gatherings together, we're never alone. We're not just singing as it were, to a God who is removed in heaven. There is a God who is in the heavenly realms. He is on his throne, but we have the presence of God also in our midst at the same time. And the Holy Spirit, who helps us in our worship, guess what? He knows the Father, and he knows the Son perfectly because they've been together for eternity. And that means as we sing, how many of you find that, you know, worthy is the Lamb doesn't just become kind of weird words, it becomes the reality. You think, yes, Jesus, you are worthy. Yes, Jesus, your blood really was shed. Yes, Jesus, you really did overcome the grave. Yes, thank God I'm free. Because the Holy Spirit helps us get a revelation of Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us. We have a helper in worship. But I believe as well as knowing that we have the ability to worship by the Spirit, also requires a choice on our part. Do you know that it's possible to be a Christian and not live a life of worship, praise, and thanksgiving? I mean, it's not automatic, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, when I woke up this morning, I didn't feel spirit-filled. I felt tired. <laughs> How many sometimes stuff goes on in life and you don't feel super encouraged, you feel naturally discouraged, is that right? But the good news is we're never alone. The good news is we have one who's constantly pointing to Jesus and to his finished work and to who we are in Christ and constantly inspiring us to see life from a heavenly perspective, even in the darkest of times. And so as well as, it, if you like, worship being a spontaneous thing, that because we have the Spirit, we sing differently, we speak differently, I believe there's a sense that we need to, if you like, cultivate an attitude of gratitude. So you see, I'm hugely grateful, supremely grateful. 
I honestly cannot think <laughs> that there's a day goes by, sometimes many times in a day, when I don't just pause and thank God for his grace. But I've also learned that if I'm to grow in a lifestyle of worship and thanksgiving, I actually can position myself and almost like build into the fabric of my day more set times of stepping back and thanking God. So for years, I know many of us do, you know, I will position myself at the start of the day and a key part of devotions is thanking God and praising God. But I've found that there's a blessing not just in praising God at the beginning of the day as much as possible. I like to retire and even if it's for a few minutes in the middle of the day just to thank God. How many know it's possible to forget that God is good in the midst of a busy day? How many know it's possible to forget the goodness of God when you're in the midst of a storm? And so you can cultivate and actively put yourself to the place where you're thanking God. And guess what has happened? As you thank God and worship God, the Spirit of God enables you and he refills you at the same time. You know, some of us, as it were, to go back to the, the petrol analogy, we don't just need to fill up in the morning. You need to go and put your... Put, your, um, put the Holy Spirit nozzle in your life again in the middle of the day and say, I need to be refilled. How many don't just want a spirit-filled morning, you want a spirit-filled afternoon too? Or a spirit-filled evening? It's a rhythm, it's a pattern. So let's cultivate an attitude and an atmosphere of worship. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is here to help us worship? That's the first thing, the wonder of spirit-filled worship. The second is the wonder of spirit-filled confession, say confession, Confession. wonder of spirit-filled confession of God's work. I don't know if you realize, but we are in a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle. There's God, there's the Holy Spirit, but there are also forces of evil in the world and in the heavenly realms. And Paul, when he's writing Ephesians, one of his main roles, if you like, is to encourage Christians who are in a spiritual battle. Many of them would have been saved out of darkness, and he wants to encourage them. Although you're in a battle, you're on the winning side, and if you'll appropriate the weapons that God has for you, you're going to be victorious. And it's the same for us today. So he starts chapter 6, verse 10, with a whole teaching on the armor of God. It's It's a very important passage. Maybe we'll do a series on it sometime. But he starts off like this. Before he talks about evil and how awful evil is, he says, Now, finally, stand firm then in the Lord and in his mighty power. What does that say? You may be in a battle, you may be in a storm right now, you may feel like you're in a pit, but guess what? You're never alone. You you have one who is greater than the devil and all his forces. You have the glorious third person, the Trinity, living on the inside of you. Never forget that. Never forget that. As I sometimes say, become God inside minded. (laughs) As you walk around, say, I've not just got to get help from heaven, that's good, but I've also got help on the inside. The helper is here to stay. So we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. So then um, Paul goes and he outlines the opposition we face and talks about how we're to put on the full armor of God. And then come down to verse 17. There's the next specific reference to the Spirit is this. He says, taking up... The what? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as many commentators have said, this is almost like the first piece of armor that is both defensive but also offensive too. And there seems to be a specific way 
that while the Spirit helps us with all of the armor and every aspect of our spiritual warfare, there's something about the Spirit working with the Word. Now, just let me pause for a moment here to say the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, in this context isn't our Bibles. It's not like you've got a Bible and you throw it unseen at forces. That's not going to do any good. Okay, The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God there is the rhema, and it's the Word of God particularly from the Bible, but for it to be the sword, it's quickened by the Holy Spirit in your spirit. It has to come out of your mouth. Yeah? If we're going to win the war, we're not just thinking thoughts, we're speaking words that pull down strongholds. And God has, is calling Christians not just to be spirit-filled worshippers, but victorious spirit-filled warriors. Can I have a war cry somewhere? Maybe not. Okay, we're in a spiritual war, but God wants us to prevail. And if he has given us the mighty Holy Spirit, and he has given us weapons, including and particularly here, the sword of the Spirit, we have to use that weapon. We have to actually allow the Holy Spirit to bring his word to us, particularly but not exclusively from the, the Bible. And then we have to speak out that word because it is a real weapon that destroys real opposition and opens real doors of favor and blessing in our lives. This is huge. Now, many examples I could use, but one that stands out to me was about eight years ago, we were um, getting ready to launch Kingsgate Cambridge. And I knew the importance of having a great venue and came across West Road Concert Hall, which was a fantastic venue, city center, parking, right in the heart of the university, right number of seats, extra classrooms, all the rest, it was fantastic. And so we start going to negotiations, all seems to be going well, and then it was like suddenly opposition uh, started coming against that thing. It looked like the whole thing was going to fall through. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you find that when things suddenly start going wrong, things start happening on your mind and your emotions? Or is it just me? And so I start coming, not only is the situation looking like it's going pear-shaped, but I'm really struggling with fear and unbelief and discouragement. This thing isn't going through. And I was kind of aware I was in a spiritual battle. And then one morning I just happened, say happened, <laughs> I just happened to be reading Revelation chapter 3 as part of my set reading. And the Holy Spirit who authored that suddenly illuminates these verses to me Chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And as I read those words, the Holy Spirit quickened those words to my heart. And I found myself speaking out. God has said, I'm placing before you an open door. God has opened a door for us in that city of Cambridge, and no one is going to shut it. It was like the sword of the Spirit, the Spirit working through my heart and my mouth. That was on a Friday. First thing that happened, I changed. <laughs> First thing that happened, I got free. I, kinda, I had a, what I often say, a knowing in my knower that all was going to be well. That was on a Friday. On the Monday, we got news it all turned around. As they say, the rest is history. Eight years since, 
Kingsgate Cambridge is prospering and growing in that place. And I want to declare again over Kingsgate Cambridge and over that city and that region, God has placed before us an open door for the gospel and no one is going to shut it. Now, now I'm prepared to say this. What I wasn't expecting was in the prayer meeting uh, before the services today, one of the prayer team had a word about open door. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go with it. In addition to praying that over Cambridge, I declare that again over Peterborough and over the surrounding region, open doors for the gospel in a new season in Jesus' name. I declare it now over Kingsgate Leicester, over Kingsgate London. And join with me, church, as we declare over the whole nation, and even into Europe, let's pray for a new day of open doors for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, you declare it out and things happen. Now, for you, that may not be your number one kind of thing that you're facing right now, but expect God to do something similar with you. But in order for the sword to be active and operative, the Word of God, you need to be in the Word of God on a regular basis. I would suggest daily. And as you're reading the Scriptures, don't just read it as a religious duty. Don't just read it for information. I mean, it is, it'll, it'll help you just if you're reading it. But the real help comes if you read it devotionally with an ear to the Spirit saying, is there anything specific that you want to highlight to me? And then write it down, get it into your heart, and go into your day and begin to declare the Word of God over your life. It's powerful. Super powerful. And can I say, in addition, Paul would have had in mind not just um, words spoken for Christians in their own lives and circumstances, but Paul also would have had in mind the power of speaking God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to those who don't yet know him. Guess what? We have words of life to speak to those who are in spiritual darkness and to bring them out of darkness into light. Amen? And I, I just as an aside, I'm looking forward to the series after this one in three weeks' time called Talking Jesus. And we need to realize that we have a glorious helper who is here to empower us and embolden us to see people come to Christ. Amen? So that, that, that's, that's the, the sword of the Spirit, the confession of God's Word. But I think we can also be intentional about activating truth in, 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 a, in a very deliberate way. I know a number of people are in Kingsgate, and I'd encourage you to do this, have got almost like confessions they declare from God's Word, like an in Christ confession. You know, you'll feel, your, your day will go better, and you'll feel better about yourself if rather than thinking, oh no, help, poor old me, you get up and say, in Jesus' name, because of Christ, I am righteous son of God or daughter of God. I am a new creation. I am dearly beloved. God's presence is never going to leave me, never forsake me. How many know that will change you? And it will change you. We need to learn to confess God's word. And so uh, for this series and for today, I put together a never alone confession. Okay? It's in, it's in your prayer notes. You can take it away. I'm going to say it once, and then we're all going to declare it all in all our centers together. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so listen on, and then let's say it together. Because I'm born again. No, 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 I'm doing it and then you're going to do it. Okay, I'm doing the whole thing. Otherwise it won't flow. And obviously this is for Christians to declare. Because I'm born again, I have the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener and standby, permanently dwelling in me. 
The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I have the resources of the God of heaven on the inside of me. Therefore, I will overcome. I am never alone. Amen. So let's all say this together on the count of three, wherever you're watching. One, two, three. Because I am born again, I have the Holy Spirit, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby permanently dwelling in me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have the resources of the God of heaven on the inside of me. Therefore, I will overcome I am never alone. Come on, let's thank God for the truth of that. So why not build that into your daily life? Begin to confess that over yourselves over these next few weeks. So we have the wonder of spiritful worship, the wonder of uh, spiritful confession of the word, and thirdly, the wonder of spirit-filled prayer. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever struggle to pray? Some of you have never got started in prayer. Some of you maybe feel like you're stuck in prayer. Others of you may feel like you want to go deeper in prayer. I've got good news for you. We have a helper who lives on the inside of us who wants to empower us to grow in our prayer life. Listen to what Paul says. Uh, this is the final reference to the Spirit in Ephesians 6 verse 18. He says, and pray, say with me, in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, pray on all occasions. That would be tough, wouldn't it? But he says, pray in the Spirit. Or pray with the Helper himself leading and guiding you on all occasions. That's a different deal. Even in our praying, we're not to pray in our own strength. We're to pray as the Holy Spirit comes and helps us in power. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, I think there's two um, interpretations. I think both are valid. The first is to pray in the Spirit means that because the Holy Spirit's in you, the Holy Spirit's here to help you, inspire you to pray in your natural language and with your natural understanding, with faith and authority that you couldn't do on your own. I mean, I mean there's such a difference. When I pray in English, and I pray in English quite a lot, um, I know there's a difference when the Holy Spirit's helping me. It's almost like I'm praying with His faith and His authority and with His strength. So learn to lean on the Spirit. Expect the Spirit to empower, if you like, your natural prayer language. But I also think from this verse and other verses in things like 1 Corinthians 14, to pray in the Spirit also means that in addition to Him helping us pray with our natural language, the Holy Spirit comes to fill our lives and give our spiritual languages what we will call tongues. A couple of weeks ago, I began to unpack that. And I want to say the gift of tongues is fantastic. Most of my prayer life, I pray in other tongues. Why? Because I can pray in tongues longer because I'm not restricted by my own natural thinking and vocabulary. I've got, I've got an issue when it comes to speaking in tongues. I've got a serious case and I can't help it. 
I'm not talking it's out of control. It's still within my control. I've still got to learn not to pray in tongues in public. But I'm talking about the fact that when you, when you just get in the flow of the Holy Spirit, there's something wonderful. And it is an incredible gift because, number one, when we pray in other tongues, it's like we not only are not limited by our mind, we, if you like, bypass the demonic realm, we go straight to the throne of heaven, and we can be assured that what we're praying for is being done because it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen? One incredible gift. How many get to times when you don't want to pray for about yourself? You say, I don't know how to pray for myself. Pray in tongues. So I don't know how to pray for, it says to pray for all the Lord's people. There's people in my life group, in my family. I don't know, I can't seem, Lord, help me. Pray in tongues for them. How many of you know, don't know how to pray for world situations? I don't, a lot of the time. Let's pray in the Spirit. And here's wonderful. As we pray in the Spirit, not only does the Spirit help us pray, but as we pray in the Spirit, we get refilled too. Let, let, let me give you a, a kind of picture as we begin to close in five hours' time. <laughs> I could go on or not. Anyway, imagine like a, a kind of a water wheel. And imagine this, this water wheel has got little buckets and there's a well and this water wheel is just going down and every time it goes into the well, it picks up water. We've talked this whole time about the need to be filled continually with the Spirit. My question is, what does that actually mean? Well, let me rephrase it. Where is the Holy Spirit right now? Well, there's actually two answers. One is he's everywhere, and in that sense, he's outside of us. So it's okay to say to the Lord, come Holy Spirit, clothe me again from on high. That's okay. But if you are a born-again believer, I believe it's almost like more scripturally accurate to pray this, Lord. You're already on the inside of me. Will you come and fill, and if you like, flood every part of my life so that I'm fully under your influence? And I've done this for years now, for decades. I, t I, can, I can go out and I can feel not filled with the Spirit. I can feel dry. I can feel drained. I can feel lacking in wisdom. I can feel discouraged. I can feel fearful. And I go out and I get in my car or I go for a walk or I walk around my study and I start praying in tongues. And it's like that water wheel starts turning. And that those buckets, as I pray in tongues, it's like I'm dipping into the well of salvation, which is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And what's on the ins he who is on the inside of me begins to flood my mind, so I start thinking his thoughts. He floods my emotions, so I start feeling his feelings. He floods my mouth, so I start speaking his words. And I find that I get thoroughly under the influence as I pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. God wants to fill you. He wants to flood you as you come near to him in worship, as you confess his word, as you pray, both in your natural language and in tongues. And he also wants the whole of Kingsgate to keep gathering regularly for massive collective times of worship and prayer and declaring the word together. Amen. And that's why we do prayer and fasting together. It's not just individually. We come together collectively. You know, if you've never been to Kingsgate prayer meetings, you need to come along. If you've never been to Touching Heaven, not only do we worship God because He's worthy, not only do we pray in the Spirit because there's things to be prayed for, but I can almost imagine, you know, in, in dozens and hundreds of cars pulling up and it's almost like we're all coming to this massive big Holy Spirit filling station and we're getting filled up every time we come together and empowered, ready for a new season of life, of ministry and mission. We are blessed 
to overflow, that we might be a blessing to many around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Be continually filled with the Spirit. Father, I want to thank you so much for the gift of your Spirit. I pray for everyone watching, everyone listening, that you would come upon them now, refill them to overflowing. May they be blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.